0: I think because people listening to this would be interesting. Like before we were chatting, you you were doing a lecture for for, was it, was. for acting students, film students.
1: Yeah, I do that occasionally. I, I got asked to do one a couple of years ago, and it was like an afternoon that I had free, and it was it was a you know it was quite well paid. So I was, like oh, I might as well do it. Went in having no real idea what I was going to do, and half hour in, I found that I really liked the whole thing. It's not something I would want to do on a regular basis, but to here and there give workshops and actually try and be a part of people's trajectory into a life that, that, that as I know a little bit about, that can be really fun. I actually found, there's just no way of saying this without it sounding just, just awfully twee, but it's quite rewarding. Yeah. And so I've wanted to keep doing it. I actually opened—I don't get to go in there very much—but
0: I opened an Academy on Carnaby Street a couple of years ago, oh, wow. and it is one of the best things I ever did. It what what are the main? Is there sort of a main theme that young people want want to ask you, or what want to understand, or or does it vary person to person? I think the, the nice thing is, in, a, in like
1: you mentioned before about how it's changed in terms of social media, but it's also changed in terms of. Multimedia platform and it, back in that back in the day how many people were well known we pro- I don't you could probably count it in hundreds in terms of the country now you count it in tens of thousands. And so one thing that is really I, I find extraordinary is that so many people are still wanting to go and learn a craft in an age when they could go on YouTube, get naked, say something racist mm. and be notorious by Friday. Yeah, I think it's more commendable than ever that people want to go in and actually train and, and study and understand a craft and try and, you know, try and be Marlon Brando, try and be Audrey Hepburn. It's those kind of questions. It's like, how can I be that? What technical understanding do I need to have to be, if I'm on a film set, to feel complete freedom to deliver my character? And, you know, just little things that they go on set and they feel kind of awkward, exactly like I did in Hollyoaks. Right. Why? Because I'd rehearsed really well. I'd, I'd done all the things I thought you were supposed to do. But then when someone says, no, you've got to stand there and then you've got to move this at this point and then you've got to leave on this line and move to that point when the extras go. Suddenly, all that work i have done, might as well have not done it because I really don't want to look like a ballon in front of like 80 people. So all I care about is moving to the right place at the right time and the performance goes. Whoosh. And so those, so we discuss those
0: types of things. Yeah. I would at go back. The thing Ben was saying he wished he'd stuck up for himself more is is when Paul Marquess came in and said we're going to make some changes. You're going to go. He he wished he'd stood up for himself and said give me more, oh. give me a chance. You know. Yeah. Well, fair enough. How did it happen? Because I'll, I'll say it. I felt they criminally underused you in your second half of your time.
1: That I remember this. You know, I remember there There is a reason for that. So, (laughs) and there was a laugh because I can visually remember having a conversation with Stephen Hartley as he because he had somehow got an information act I wonder if he remembers this information act to to tell me what the next six month storylines were going to be and we had just started like the first step of it and the storyline was going to be that Mark Burdis was going to be caught by one of these criminal gangs and they were going to start sending pieces of him to the station (laughs) (laughs)
0: Shit!
1: <laughs> and Steve was going to have to hide it from me. And so then Steve came up with this sort of skit, imagining him just having to hide a head in his jacket <laughs> as he walks past me in the corridor. <laughs> kind of stuff. And so that big, that big, that was going to be like a, a real headline theme for a bunch of months. Yeah. So they calmed me down leading into that.
0: Right. Okay.
1: And then Paul Marcus came in at the beginning of that and decided he didn't want to do it. That was my irritation of the timing of the leaving. I was very, very set on the two years. I really didn't want to do any more than that. Partly because I knew how seductive it is to do more than that. Mm. Because it's such a privileged life and it's so much fun. Mm. But I just had other things I wanted to do and I wanted to go out on that story. So the fact that we didn't get to do that story was an annoyance for
0: me. Yeah, I can imagine. How did he break the news to you? Because I've heard, not necessarily... People had the best experience of actually being told your contract's not coming to end. How, how was it from your perspective?
1: I knew him from Mersey because he was doing Brookside when I was doing Hollyoaks, and that's in the same in the same building, I think. Look, I mean, Paul Marquis. for me, the, the, there's there's a sort of there's a difference between being sort of artistically sound and sensationalist you know, being someone like I feel like as much as he's a nice guy, his his perfect job would be writing for the sun. You know what right, I mean? Right. And and I think that that's that's his place to come in and like make something explosive regardless of if it has any sort of real artistic integrity and then move on. Mm-hmm. Which is fine. I mean you gotta do what you gotta do. Um I don't really remember the meeting. I do remember thinking the even aside from any sort of Decision, I can remember thinking this. I remember you from the other place. We are not going to work well together.
0: Okay.
1: And my, my only real memory of that sort of phase is the the sort of irritating knowledge that, like, they're going to cut that storyline. Mm. I don't remember, but I bet you I would have said, can you just do that storyline first? Because that's fine by me. Yeah. But I do, like, this was going to be a, a sort of valuable process to me. But it's one of those things, man. It's one of those things. Like, you know, that old quote that you never know what good luck or bad luck is leading you towards. Like, if 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 we'd done that and so it'd become this huge sort of under pool soap sort of experience, I don't know if I would have then been considered for the things years later. Yeah. Because yeah. there is that snobbery in the game, too.
0: I mean, yeah, it, it was all over telly, wasn't it? Because, it, you know, in one way, what a way to go. Oh, we blew up. Yeah, yeah. But it, it's mercenary to get rid of six characters in on the same episode in the same way. And I just feel you you had so much more potential and it's interesting to hear about that story.
1: I remember I actually remember bumping into Mark Burdes. That's probably the last time I saw him. And he, he told me that he had a local pub that he used to go to. And he'd gone in and he used to see you know the people in there every night. You know, like, and then he went in the one night before he was joining for that whole storyline. He's like, Right, everyone, I'm not going to be here for six months. I've got work to do. I'm going to be staying sober. I'm going to blah, blah, blah. And then they all see him in there the next day. And he's there with a pint going, I got
0: fired. <laughs> <laughs> oh, poor Mark.
1: <laughs> it's that cruel nature of a beast, isn't it? It's, it's exactly the nature of the beast, man. I don't have a lot of. Um, uh of dealings in terms of producing stuff. So what pressure they are under to achieve certain things. Um, I don't know. For me, I still just had that sort of gratitude to just been in it in the first place. Yeah. At yeah. that age, at that time, with that much experience,
0: I was just sort of riding this thing and it was it was all part of it. How was life immediately after? I mean you I think you did a doctor's like not long after the bill, oh, I like did,
1: didn't I? Jesus Christ! You know everything. <laughs>
0: <laughs> like,
1: is this like your mastermind? Like I could do a mastermind about Peep Show. <laughs> okay. I bet I know more about oh. Peep Show than, than David Mitchell does. Oh, wow! I so I reckon it it's similar like that?
0: I do enjoy the bill, uh, I, I, but I, I'm I just love celebrating all you guys because you all made one of my favorite shows, and and what people listening to this enjoy is discovering. The other facets of, of you all. Right, then. right, right. And so, like, at what point, how soon after, did the filmmaking bug begin? And let's talk It took, about it took a little while.
1: Um, straight after bill, I actually went to I was at Housemates with Chris Simmons for a couple of
0: years. Oh, cool.
1: So we just like so I, I yeah, so we moved I moved into a place that he owned. So we lost we lost an entire summer playing FIFA. <laughs>
0: Sounds like a good summer to me. <laughs>
1: yeah, I mean, that's that a true story. <laughs> Bless him. It took a while. Like, I, my, my transition from that, because I, there was Hollyoaks first and then when they happened quickly, it is it is one of those parts of the game, right? Like, moving into something f- in terms of film or Western theatre, having a profile and having and having any sort of fame of any description wasn't helpful. Like it, it really wasn't a good thing, in um, as much as you've been pigeonholed into that thing. they talk about typecasting. I think if your big problem has been typecast, you're, you're probably doing all right so but there was an element I think it wasn't necessarily typecasting it was more because I was playing very different characters in those shows, but it was more a, a case of them placing you in serialized TV right and so it took a, it took a little while. It took a little while. I didn't make a film myself for uh, five, six years, um, and I didn't really start appearing in feature films myself until for about two years after I left.
0: Right. Okay. So how was that to uh, to adjust? You know, that's 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 tough for an actor, isn't it?
1: It was all right. It was all right because because you know, like I I was I got paid more at that time than I knew what to do with. Right. And so there was a lot of money left over and now I wasn't working and neither were some friends of mine. And so we just went and had a lost couple of years, which I'm all right with at that age. Yeah. And so, it, you know, we just, we, we, we went and got silly for a while and it was great. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, um, yeah. And I'm, in a weird way, I, I I'm i looking back, if I wanted to go through the tapestry of, of my life, I would actually rather have to have that phase Mm. Then it just be work, 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 because it's sort of all there is now. I just work, 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 work. But yeah, I mean, it was the adjustment period was was really soothed by that, by just being out, by having fun, by being silly.
0: That's cool. And I I advise that.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to all.
0: Well, I can imagine it's a temptation to just be... Otherwise, you're just waiting for that phone call or, like...
1: Yeah, like, that stuff. I was never willing to do that, just, like, kick about. There is a real danger that you end up um, being, being a sort of cliché, really, of an actor that's kicking about or desperate for that phone to ring. And, and you know, I've had phases of, you know, they're normally driven by finances and... Um, where suddenly you do start. And then the problem is if you let yourself, if you let your mind go that way, then each audition, each meeting carries too much importance. And I go back to the Hollyoaks thing. If I'd have understood the importance of that, I wouldn't have got it. And so I think if you, like once you start attaching that much importance to each thing, then you're less likely to get it. So I think it's a really bad road to go down.
0: And it must presumably now give you, you know, it's, it's that cliche life experience but the fact that you had that then must give you different perspective now at this time in your life not just for for your work but also your life that you you you've you've had those away day years as it were and and
1: um, you know yeah they, they, they you know we, they get written about like I use them in, in in my thought process I talk to I talk to actors that are just hitting their big the big time now about the things to look out for and the things that are none of my business, you go and do you and, yeah. and, you know, all, all that type of stuff. Yeah, certainly. I, I, in a, in a way that it's, it was as valuable as anything else. Um, <laughs> because there's an odd thing about being an actor, you were just basically infantilized constantly. Somebody picks you up, drives you to work, tells you what to wear, where to stand and what to say. You, you, you're basically an infant. But you know, you do then have to deliver something that that that's that's sort of difficult. That that is that that is one of the things. And then so it's, you leave a show. I'm unsurprised I ended up acting like an infant.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I well, I interviewed Kieran Griffiths earlier, and he he said his quote at the time was, "What do they expect? I'm eighteen, <laughs> you know." And and like.
1: Hundred <laughs> <100%. laughs> percent.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: I would be more worried about him if he didn't. Yeah. That would be way more concerning if you were really discerning and I don't know, like I have such unpopular opinions on this type of stuff but like i read, I read recently that in London now, somewhere a region of 30% of 18 to 30 year olds don't drink and I'm sure, I'm so sure that that's good somehow, <laughs> but I don't like it <laughs> like, I don't like it, come on yeah. Like, like, I, like uh, man, it worries me all and where the world's going. It's funny talking to you about that time. I haven't really thought about that 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 face for a while. But yeah, it was there was it was a magic time. It really was. I mean, there's, there's artistic elements of the show that I would change. My you know, there's some of it I I think was better than it gets respect for because it's seen as just a day to day TV show or just another one. And there's other parts of it which. Uh, I didn't like so much but overall it was just a monstrous privilege to be in there and a really really exciting time like how many jobs do you get to get up in the morning look I saw people queuing up outside the executive producer's office demanding not demanding but sort of pleading to work more but you would not get paid more for working more you get paid the same regardless of how much you work because you're on a salary how many jobs are you going to see that People queuing up at the boss's office going, please, can I do more hours for the same money? (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. That's an illustration of the sort of privilege that it is to do something like that. And I hope people now, as I desperately try and do doing the the
0: films I'm fortunate enough to do, people doing TV
1: shows, I hope they see it that
0: way. Mm. They gave you some nice stuff to do with Andy Paul yeah he's he's trying to fix your car and then uh then he, <laughs> yeah. he, 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 you you have him move in with you and he gets you and your brother Mark character beaten up you take a yeah. lot and yeah. yeah he
1: does yeah well I've, christ yeah no there was like one of us had moved into the other one's flat
0: that's right yeah, yeah.
1: yes i remember this i remember this um yeah, we did some stuff there. The stuff I remember mainly from it is the stuff with Mark Burgess and then the the football stuff um, yeah. with Chris.
0: Yeah, Britannia, the storyline. Yes. Yeah, yeah, they were good. Good episodes.
1: Yeah, they're the ones that, that I, I, I have a, a strong memory to it for because it was really all a couple of years of
0: quite blur, yeah. um,
1: but a good one.
0: Let's talk about your filmmaking because, like, first, who... Who are your well, what are your favorite movies? What's the kind of films you you what are your go to movies? Like, what's your guilty pleasures? And <laughs> they're different questions, aren't they?
1: <laughs> In terms of films, that I going back again to something you picked you said earlier about that understated naturalism for that style of performance, I've probably watched Nil by Mouth about 50 times. I, I, I think. In terms of naturalistic filmic performances, I don't, I can't imagine there'll ever be a better film. I think the subtleties that go on in that film, Kathy Burke is extraordinary, Ray Winston's brilliant, Charlie Creed-Miles is amazing, Steve Sweeney, Layla, all of them, Jamie, they're just all brilliant. And and it's the little subtleties that Gary Oldman adds as a director, little things like the way he shoots one of them seeing what's going on in the laundrette where they're drinking beer, shoots through bodies exactly as I would have seen it. Yeah, You, well, you wouldn't want to go in because it looks a bit shady, but you, that's sort of how you see it. It's so brilliantly shot and it, the performances, and it's just so, i, I, I absolutely with all my heart, love that film, both as a viewer and just as a punter and also as someone who's in that craft I think it's it's it stands alone, but many others. I watched a uh, French movie called Blue is the Warmest Color recently, which I fell in love with. Cinema, cinematographically, I just think that's something to aspire to. It's gorgeously done. My favourite director is probably Scorsese. So yeah, I don't know where I don't know. Similarly, as being like sort of non-joiner, I'm not sure if I aspire in that sense to any of those, but I certainly have a a huge respect for it. The, the, the sort of work that Scorsese is capable of putting out. I mean, it's, it, it's genuine movie magic, right? It's just, it's just brilliant. So yeah, I guess watching all, all of those guys put me on the path of wanting to, and like every actor in the world, you stand there doing a scene and you, there's a little bit of you that wants to tell everyone else how they should be doing it.
0: Yeah.
1: And you know, you're not allowed.
0: Yeah. And so, yeah. You did a movie. of it, you directed one that you starred in as well. A short. Was it uh, a serial killer saved my life? Oh, that was one. I, I yeah no. The first one I did actually that that I did for the
1: BFI was called Daisy's Last Stand. Oh yeah. Have you yeah. seen that? Was a, that so that I wrote and directed? That was the first one. That's what got me into it. Was that one? And that won awards, didn't it? That that did well. That did yeah. That did that <laughs> that did that did that, that was very fortunate the way that one went. But that was, yeah, that that was that film that got me into it. It was the process of doing it and process of going, okay, well, it's all on me. If these ideas and this structure is amazing, it's on me. If it's absolutely shocking, it's on me. And in a sort of slightly masochistic way, I I quite liked that. Mm. Like that sense of going this is a, a quite an all or nothing situation. In terms, it's a short film, so it can only be so much of a success or a disaster, but it feels big when you're in it. Yeah. Yeah. And so that, and then, and the process of doing it just, again, it made a lot of sense to me and I liked it and it sort of went from there. We were, we were this summer going to be off to India to direct a feature film that, uh, that I, well, I was going to have to in there to direct a feature film in Britain, but, Obviously, things have changed. Um, we'll see what happens. What's that about? Uh, it's a film about uh, a sort of escape movie about honor killings. So very dark, but gorgeous. Hopefully, yeah. um, and the subject I've read a lot about, and I think is uh, like horrific. It's just, it's just the the there's far 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 bigger things going on right now than. Whether I can or can't make a film, but in my own little life, that that's the thing that was going to be happening.
0: Yeah, and um, oh right, you you did one called Lighter, of It, and you got Jeff Stewart in it.
1: Yeah, Jeff, we got Jeff in. Yeah, we
0: did. <laughs> we did. <laughs>
1: Jeff's one that I stay. I didn't really stay in contact with many people. I stayed in contact with Jeff for a good while though. He's a good lad, Jeff. He's an interesting. He's an interesting character.
0: Yeah, and, and an underrated actor, I think he's a very he's a very clever guy, and and there's a lot more to him than just Reg. I've seen him in other stuff where he's like, he's I mean he's he's a genius as Reg. I think he's. He's, he's phenomenal, Reg. Reg. Yeah,
1: and, and you could argue that in, in the Bill he is. I mean, I know lots of there are some phenomenal actors in that that show, like truly good a tremendous mm-hmm. actor Mark Wingate, similarly, but Jeff, you could you could. Argue is the one that really created a relatable character that was completely separate to himself in every aspect. Every police function we'd go and do, every time you admit anyone, they'd always say things like, oh, every station's got a reg. (laughs) Yeah, I remember that being a phrase that I heard from lots of different people, and I thought that was commendable, and he did it without being sort of theatrical and glib. He, he, you know, it, it was truthful to the person he was playing. Yeah, He never did it for effect. And, um, yeah, so I agree. I think yeah. he, he's an underrated actor, exactly that.
0: And uh, what was it like working with him again And uh, for Lighter?
1: He was playing a college professor. With, like, they wanted this sort of mad college professor. So Lighter was one that I was hired in to direct in very strange circumstances. They'd seen Daisy, the one I was talking about, and approached me to to direct this feature film and i I agreed to it because the concept was brilliant and then i got the script so was like this needs work needs and then there's a big rush to to get the script into shape before production starts and i i wasn't contracted contractually allowed to recast a couple of the leads that they had in they were bollywood guys but i was allowed to bring in certain actors for other supporting roles and so when I saw a mad professor, I was like, "This is what, who are you going to call?" <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> They're like, That's the one, yeah. and he was great. He was great, like he always is.
0: Oh wow, I love it.
1: He was. Oh. He really was. Yeah.
0: How does it make you feel that the bill twenty years on is still following you around? And and like you know, the, the repeats are sort of, I suppose every year, Riley's back on the box, so is it it, how's your relationship been with the bill and the fans and and you know it's part of your life
1: i i didn't really like i was not you you know i I heard you were saying earlier and i heard that in the podcast where you were talking when you were talking to ben about um if there had been facebook and instagram and all that kind of stuff it's really unlucky that it wasn't there then i actually could I'm completely the other way. I think we were incredibly fortunate that it wasn't there because I think if we were, if it was there, then we would have gone straight into Big Brother. We would have gone straight into it. And, and and the seduction of that stuff is, is so big that it would have been hard to steer away from and then I would have gone straight down a trajectory of all the things I don't want and never did want, um, even if it means hardship along the way to get to somewhere else. And so... A relationship with with the fans and all that kind of stuff. I I tried to sort of stay polite and and stay responsive, but I I didn't I didn't want to do the the the, you, you know the where you do the celebrity shows and all that sort of stuff. I didn't do any of them. I love the fact that people did. I'm sure it's great fun, but it wasn't it wasn't the road that I I I was really up for taking. In terms of how do I feel that it's still going, it's still alive. I think it's great. I have nothing but affection for that. I have more affection for the show and the fans than they have for me, put it that way.
0: No, nonsense, nonsense. I
1: promise you the Bill Ultras were not fans us. They (laughs) they, they didn't like us. But they were right, they were absolutely right. Um, I, I completely understood why, but I certainly have an affection for them and for that time and real, like, nothing but gratitude. You know, to be 22, 23, jump in your car, drive. You know, if that follows you around for 20 years, I'm alright with that. Yeah, that's gorgeous.
0: <laughs> well, I'm full of gratitude to you for giving me your time and, and being such a brilliant interviewee. And uh, I look forward to us actually getting to hang out and having a pint because that. Was I know really we easy. could do it like non-digitally. Just, yeah, yeah, yeah. That would be, be that'd be great fun. <laughs> it's just not the same, is it? No, no. But oh, I've really enjoyed this, so it's been fab, and I'm, I'm so grateful hey, for your time, Gary. Thank you ever so much for asking me. Oh, um, thank you for saying yes. I'm delighted. Jeez, yeah. It's been, been over an hour already. Yeah, yeah. You'll have a two-parter.
1: I didn't even ask you what those. I wanted to know what those figures were in the background.
0: Oh yeah, um, Doctor Who. Is that what all of them? Yeah, all all these. Yeah, Doctor Who.
1: Is Raji in there?
0: Uh, no.
1: You've avoided yes. buying it. <laughs>
0: It's 15 years today that Doctor Who came back, which is really? extraordinary, yeah. Man. This is my goes. Michael Bean. He's my favourite actor from The Terminator.
1: Wow. Hey, The Terminator is one of the greatest
0: films. Absolutely.
1: First, and I, like, it bugs me when people say the second one was better. Oh, first is
0: absolutely. That's brilliant. It's a love story. It's- there
1: was this... This I've referred to this a couple of times when... the You know, like when you give... um. Uh, you're giving out an award at the Oscar you go up you make a little joke and then you give out the award Schwarzenegger went up and made a joke about James Cameron I think he was just referring to the nominees and he said oh and as you know I made a little art house film once called Terminator I don't even like I think that's a sort of misplaced joke because I think there's a lot about the Terminator that is art house
0: yeah, yeah.
1: and sort of brilliantly artistic and really dark
0: mm. Yeah, I I saw an amazing documentary on it when um, the very last shot, after the Terminator's been crushed, they forgot to film the eye turning off because they were like, well, we need to show the thing's finished. And so that they shot as an insert, and it's literally tinfoil, a bicycle red light, and cigarette smoke. Wow. <laughs> and they just needed to insert it in. And, yeah, it was made for, like, $6 million, and Cameron was... Living off some a friend's flat floor, you know, and yeah. See, I love
1: all that. Yeah, those stories are what I'm, is what's missing from like the trajectory of YouTubers. Yeah, those stories.
0: Yeah, top two movies: the Terminator, the first one, and Rocky, the first one, which again had that rags to riches story for Stallone and made on a million. And we're in danger of talking for like nine hours. Yeah, 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 yeah. This is true. We should because
1: <laughs> because I, I go straight into how artistically underrated I think Rocky is
0: yeah oh oh yeah thing. yes yeah that's my Christmas Eve movie watch that is yeah. <laughs> hello this is Ben Payton and you have been listening to The Bill Podcast with special thanks to Gary Grant produced and presented by Oliver Crocker co-produced by Paul Dunn James Ledane and Alex Mockler Executive produced by Simon Banstead, Joseph Beaver, Chris Booth, Daniel Christopher, Luke Hegarty, Benjamin Hughes, Edward Kellett, Justin Pitt, Tom Sherrington and Sarah Wendt. Make sure you give me a follow on Twitter at BenPayton007 and do please have a look at my film review website for your eyes. O- no, it's not for your eyes only. I always do that for your films only. .com. That's my love of Bond right there.